Hello, it's Jeff here again. I want to share with you tonight, or today if you're hearing this in the daytime, about having eternal life. All true Christians believe in God. That's true. In God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But not all Christians can claim to be certain of having eternal life. I want to help you now to have that certainty. Now, John the Apostle wrote his first letter to the early believers to help them to be sure of their relationship with God. And I'd like to read for you now a text from 1 John 5, verses 9 to 13. This is what it says in the NIV. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar, because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So, John wrote to the early uh, Christians this letter to help them be sure of their relationship with God. Now, I've known many people over the years who have all kinds of opinions about Jesus Christ, some of them logical, some believable, some a bit out there. And these opinions range from, he was a good teacher. Oh, he was a great leader. He was a bit of a prophet. Uh, And others would say, well, he was a spiritual guide. And still others would call Jesus a charlatan or perhaps a mystic or worse, a deceiver, then a madman, and a demoniac. In other words, he was demon-possessed. Now, down through the centuries, many there have been many spiritual leaders have uh, appeared and claimed that they had the exclusive truth about the death, uh, rather about life, death, and eternity. Uh, but the Bible is very clear that God testifies that Jesus Christ alone is his divine Son. Now, you remember in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 3, when at Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist, the Spirit came down like a dove, and a voice said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. It was God was identifying His one and only Son come to earth. And uh, later on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, when Peter, James, and John were there with the Lord, A voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am pleased. Listen to it. And that's in Matthew 17. And still again, during a prayer of Jesus, when he said, Father, bring glory to your name. Uh, As he said those words, a voice spoke from heaven. I have brought glory, and I will do it again. And that's in John chapter 12. 
So these three different occasions, a voice of God the Father spoke to identify his Son. Now, you and I all have the choice of believing what men say or believing what God says about who Jesus is. So John attests that believing in Jesus as God's Son is to believe God. And, and not believing in Jesus is actually calling God a liar. They're pretty powerful words. You see, God has given us indisputable proofs of his son's identity. And there is no excuse for anyone who denies that. And when we stand before God and say, well, I didn't know Jesus was your son, he'll say, I gave you all the proofs a person needs. Now, we can call Jesus a madman or a cheat or even a good man, some of those terms I used a moment ago. But Jesus himself claimed to be God's son, came from heaven. He said, I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And he said that several times in words like that, all through John's gospel, the same John who has written this letter. So you see, he's given us no option, no alternative, but to leave who believe who he claimed to be and who God said he was. He is the unique and divine Son of God. I was just sharing with you then from verses 9 and 10. And I call this first section, God speaks about Jesus and no one else. In the Bible, the Father never said any other prophet, any other great divine person was his Son, except Jesus of Nazareth. God in human form. Now I'd like to share with you from verses 11 and 12. And I've entitled this, Jesus has eternal life. So Jesus said uh, in his great prayer to the Father in John 17, that knowing both the Father and the Son, that's eternal life. Eternal life is bound up in Jesus Christ. And, And John says here in this letter, To have Jesus is to have eternal life. Eternal means forever, and eternal or everlasting life means to live forever, loved and forever accepted by God Almighty, now and throughout all eternity. (laughs) In effect, to be saved from the penalty of sin and to be made right with holy God. Dear friends, nothing could be clearer. The Apostle Peter was before the Jewish council uh, in Jerusalem. He was arrested uh, along with John. And in Acts chapter 4, he said to them, There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So Jesus' followers understood that he was the unique Son of God. And that's why they gave their lives uh, during their ministries uh, for his name. So according to John here, in verse 11, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Um, you either have him, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that is, you believe in him, or you don't. Put it a different way, you are saved or you are not. You can't, be, you, can't be, you can't partly have Jesus and you can't partly be saved. You either fully believe and you're fully saved or you fully don't. You can't sit on the fence. You've got to make a decision about who Jesus is. 
Now, the Bible gives us uh, lots of examples of people who accepted Jesus. And those the first disciples of Jesus, uh, Peter and Andrew, his brother, who found Jesus first, because he was a disciple of John the Baptist, and he found his brother Peter and told him all about Jesus. And then Peter reached out to to uh, John and James, the sons of Zebedee, and all four of those men just left everything and followed Jesus. When Jesus asked them later, who do you say that I am? Peter was the first to reply. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. They understood that. Do you remember the little man Zacchaeus? He climbed up a tree because he was so short and he knew Jesus was coming along the road in Jericho and he didn't want to miss out. So there he was up the sycamore fig tree and as Jesus came by, he called out to him and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to have lunch with you today. Zacchaeus, he experienced a changed life after he met Jesus. He, he just wasn't the same again. He said, if I've defrauded anyone, and of course he was a tax collector, so he probably defrauded, defrauded lots of people. If I've defrauded anyone, I'll give him back four times that much money. And right here and now, I give away half of all I have to the poor. I mean, the, the man just was lived for money before that. He was hated and despised by everyone. But after he met Jesus, his life was completely changed, complete 180-degree turn. You know, other people met Jesus and rejected what he offered them. Many religious leaders and teachers, they just refused to believe he was God the Son. didn't matter what he did. didn't matter if he raised the dead. He raised uh, Lazarus from the dead and they wanted to kill Jesus and they even wanted to kill Lazarus too. Some people just refuse to believe no matter what evidence you give them. There was a famous writer, Aldous Huxley. He was English by birth. He had a brother who was a writer. His father was a writer. Uh, They were geniuses, basically. He was a teacher at a university in Southern California, I believe. Uh, When someone once asked him, uh, Mr. Huxley, if it can be proven beyond any doubt that the claims of Christ are true, would you become a Christian? And he said, oh, no, it wouldn't matter if you proved it or not. I just have no intention of, of adopting that lifestyle. I just, I'm just not interested. So there was a very intelligent man who rejected Christ as the Son of God just because he didn't want to believe uh, anything that would cause him to have a different way of life. People like him just do not have the Lord. Gosh, it's frightening to think that people can look at all the evidence and turn their noses up and despise it. So, so far we've looked at in 1 John 5, 9 through 13, we've looked at God speaks about Jesus. No one else, just Jesus Christ, his son. And secondly, in verses 11 and 12, we read that Jesus himself has eternal life. It's bound up in him. You have Jesus, you have eternal life. There's no mystery about it. The Bible is absolutely clear. The question is, do we want to have Jesus? Are we willing to make him the Lord of our life? Are we willing to have him as our saviour? Are we willing to believe everything he said about himself? Verse 13 is a wonderful passage. I write these things to you, John says, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, John wraps up this brief passage with those words. He wants us and his readers, of course, 
to believe and to know beyond any uncertainty that we have eternal life because we fully believe Jesus Christ is God. He's God the Son. He's the Son of God. God expects every true believer to have no doubt as to their place in God's heart. Do you remember what the dying thief said? He was nailed to the cross beside the Lord. And he asked Jesus, Remember me, Lord, when you come. And Jesus said to him, probably gasping for breath, Jesus said to him, Surely I tell you, you will be with me today in paradise. The Lord assured this man that he had eternal life. And the Lord wants to assure you, as he's completely assured me many years ago, that I have eternal life. In fact, I was so excited when I first read this passage, I memorized all of it so I could quote it any time I needed if I had any doubt. If I had committed some sin, either thought, word or deed, uh, I'd remember that Jesus saved me not because of my deeds, but because of what he's done. He did the dying. He did the saving. He shed his blood for me. All I have to do is believe in him. So the Lord assured or rather he assured that man on the cross, and he assures us, he wants to assure us that we have eternal life. How to put this beyond all doubt is to offer a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. And dear ones, this is not a formula for you or anyone to be saved and to have eternal life, but it's an expression of your own heart and mind. You've got to, you've got to mean it. I remember many years ago, uh, I was living in Portland, Oregon in the USA when I was attending Bible college and the church I was part of sent out little teams to visit every family in the church who didn't come to church but sent their children to youth groups or Sunday school or something like that. And I went out several times with uh, the visitation team and one night we were at a lady's house. She was very friendly. She offered us a drink, and we sat in her lounge room. There were three of us, another fellow, uh, another pastor, and I was a student at Bible College, another lady. And uh, we took her through much the same things as I've been saying in the last 10 minutes. And uh, we asked her, would she like to pray and receive Christ? Oh, yes, she said. And she prayed the prayer, or very similar to it, that I'm going to share with you in a moment. And she just sat there and looked at us, and there was no reaction from her. And I said to her, do you understand that, um, that if you meant that, a moment ago you were cut off from God and now you are a believer? She said, oh, yes. And afterwards when we'd left, I said, that lady just went through the process. She was just, she said the words, but she had no intention of obeying them or she had no intention of meaning the words. So I just want to emphasize that uh, this prayer, again, is not a formula. It's just a mere expression of your own heart. You want Jesus Christ to be in your life. You want him to, there so you can be sure you have eternal life. Here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe you are God's only son. And I truly believe that you came to give me eternal life because you offered yourself on the cross for me. Lord, forgive me for my doubts and my sins and I ask you to come into my heart and life and make me the person you want me to be. I turn over all authority of my life over to you. I just want to follow you. I entrust my life and my future into your hands. 
Thank you for your love and grace. Amen. Now, dear ones, if you've never prayed that prayer or a prayer similar, I invite you to pray it with me. I'll read it again, and I'll give you time to say it along with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are God's only Son, and I believe that you came to give me eternal life, and that you offered yourself on the cross for me. Forgive me for my doubts. Forgive me for my sins. And Lord, come into my heart and life and make me the person you want me to be. I entrust my life and my future into your hands. Thank you for your love and your grace. Amen. Dear ones, we've been looking at the certainty of eternal life in Christ. He's the only one to offer it. God testified that Jesus is his son. Eternal life resides only in Christ and in all those who believe in him. Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, John 14, 6. God bless you. And we'll talk again in a week's time. Amen.